and welcome to our podcast, friends. We're doing it, Matt. We're going to make a podcast. So uh, welcome to Ballot Boxing, where Matt and Christina, friends you don't know yet, talk about the Oscar Best Picture nominees. Usually Matt and I try to watch all 10 nominees prior to the Oscars airing, discuss them amongst ourselves. So now we're just going to record those discussions. Yes, drop in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. It's it's called ballot boxing because we are going to verbally spar over the candidates. Discussion will be a plenty. Fantastic. Well, let's get started. Hi, Matt. Well, hello there. <laughs> so, uh, we, this is exciting. We have a, a movie that we kind of liked. Yes. Yes. We Win. Are, yeah, we are eighty percent of the way through mm -hmm. the list, and. Uh, the finish line in sight and we were starting to get a little concerned that we were going to hate everything that we weren't liking yeah, enough of them hate everything and that wasn't the spirit of this no um and uh the movie that we're going to talk about today trial triangle of sadness pardon me is one that we certainly found fascinating and we we're entertained by um i think we actually may differ uh on terms of who's going to like it more oh no um, no? I don't think so. Oh. I think you liked it more than I but did. But at some point, we need to have some verbal sparring. We haven't really disagreed yet. I think we've disagreed in like every... There, we're disagreeing. How's that? I think we disagreed in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think... No, I just... And I think that you maybe got more out of this because of how you watch movies than I did. But I'm interested to hear your takes on the whole thing. And I will interject where necessary. I can do the I can do the summary if you want this time. Please do. Plot summary. Plot summary folks. of Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. Um, Go. French movie in French. Uh, it's French. I thought so. The director's Swedish. Oh, it won the Palme d'Or oh, at just, Cannes. I don't know why IMDb. It's would a have... multilingual film. Really. Yes, I, just, I don't know why IMDb would have the French title as the real title if it wasn't a French film. I just assumed that. Oh, because the French title is No Filter, which I feel like is what it should have been called here. And I don't understand why it wasn't. So we can talk about that later. OK, anyway, Anyways, back to the plot summary. A film. That's broken into three sections. Title card one is uh, Carl and Yaya. Title card two is The Yacht. And title card three is... The Island. The Island. And we're not going to spoil the movie. So I'm not going to talk about all three sections. Because that talking about section three would spoil the movie. But the basic synopsis is we are following two young, beautiful model influencers uh who spend their lives taking beautiful photos of themselves and posting them on instagram uh as they uh we we get to know them in in section one and then in section two they're on a yacht with a bunch of billionaires and a very um beautiful conforming staff that uh, attend to their every whim and uh, the adventures and hijinks they get into Yes. Is that a good absolutely synopsis? And all of the characters that are on the boat. Yeah, and I mean, want to describe the mood of the film? Is this a comedy? Do you think? It's. I mean, yeah. It. I don't. On IMDb, it's listed as a comedy. It is a dark comedy. I think it's. Uh, if there was a genre that was like metaphor film, this would be it. Well, it's satire, okay. right? Which is like comedy with a point of view. Yeah. So satire. It's definitely then. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it necessarily works as a comedy how are we going to talk about this whole film without ruining it it'll be difficult yeah it'll be difficult we're it's... certainly not going to discuss the the third act mm -hmm. because the third act to 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 say too much about it would be to spoil what happens in the end of the second act i mm -hmm. think we can talk about what likely 
our listening audience may be familiar with, which is what's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, we went I, just for the record. I this is the movie I went into. The reason we decided to watch this one next is because this is the movie I went into most blind to. I had seen the trailer, but the trailer actually doesn't give too much away. No, and I know more about Tar, even with the limited amount I know about Tar. I know more about Tar and Banshees than I did about this one out of the three remaining films we had. Yeah, all I knew, honestly, all I knew about this was the Palm Door. I knew that Woody Harrelson was in it. And I knew that the filmmaker made Force Majeure, which was remade as that one with um, Will Ferrell not long ago. But The, the um, Ski Family? The Ski and Family. And Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we did not see. And I think that all of his films have like a, a real social point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's appealing to him to european and french audiences specifically Mm. who french films french audiences tend to like audacity Mm. and this film has audacity and it It certainly has some um pretty boundary pushing things going on and it has a point of view um and i think they responded to that i think that i know that we've talked about parasite in i think almost every episode of this podcast Mm -hmm. because i really like it but i think that this movie this director if all of his movies have a social commentary in them, maybe he should talk to the director of Parasite. Because I feel like Parasite did it much better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so what are we going to talk about? We talked about the, the things that we thought were good. Sure. And we talked about the acting because it's all really good. Do you want to talk about how it's a metaphor? Like what it's a metaphor of? Well, I think I can do that by discussing what I liked best Go for in it. the three-act structure, which was the second act of the film. Okay. Um, the first act of the film, as you said, is Carl and Yaya. Um, they are beautiful, beautiful, and that mm. is their their the only real descriptor of them. They are almost like completely vacant of mm. anything else interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl seems to be pouty and miserable. Yaya seems to be um, hungry. distracted and hungry. <laughs> yeah, and we find them in the first act, sitting in a restaurant that really neither one of them truly belong in it they're in it because it's expensive but not because it's where they choose to dine and they begin to squabble over paying the bill which carries over into an uber and then carries over into the elevator in the hotel and then there's some brooding that takes place and there's some sort of reconciliation they both look so good brooding yeah and then Mm. they're on their way somewhere so the next day we find them they're on this yacht and uh i thought the, the second act which is entitled the yacht um they're somehow our proxy for view like they're supposed to be the most relatable normal people because once once you start thinking about what's going on on that boat like it's populated entirely by the ultra rich um billionaires and um yaya and carl Carl. have like at least some semblance of normalcy about them. They're, maybe they're relatable as younger people. I don't. I don't know how they're relatable, but they're supposed to be our eyes. I think. I agree. Because Carl, he's asking questions of people mm-hmm. um, that are pretty prescient, and he's uh, having them reveal information um, and it's... asking why mm-hmm. or how about a lot of things mm-hmm. and pushing on some questions too. Right? Our, yeah. Our, uh... Whereas Yaya just keeps. You know, taking pic- taking pictures yeah so the the second act is the, the, there's a big sort of set piece um near the end um the the crew are like this this dutiful bunch who are all uh, impeccably dressed and have sort of an Aryan quality frankly about them um and 
the, are, are very into money. Very much. Yeah. Their, their motivation is to earn tips because these, these extremely wealthy passengers are likely to tip them very well. Did you notice so, in that part where the, uh, what do you want to call her? The blonde woman? I can't remember her the name. Steward? What is she? She's the, yeah. Like cruise director, I guess. Is Let's her call role, it that. Right? Yeah. The cruise director is giving them their pre, you know, super luxury yacht cruise talk. And she says, remember, we don't tell them no for anything. Everything is yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And then she says, because remember, at the end, you might. I thought the word, of, the use of the word might was so interesting because it's not, you'll get a great big tip or you'll get your, I thought that she was going to say, you get to have your cruise next or something. Mm -hmm. They were going to like give, gift the crew something. And instead it was, you might get a great big tip. And they all start chanting money. And they're dancing around. It's really weird. Yeah. And it's like. Weird is the word I would use, by the way, to describe this entire movie. Yes. It's like four or five times I turned to Matt and went, this is so weird. Yeah. So the the second act, there's I think it really effectively starts to create tension. There's some mm -hmm. foreshadowing. There's um, without trying to give, I don't want to give too much away, but there are pictures on the walls which tell us something about what may happen. I don't right? know if we can do this without spoiling the movie. I'm not gonna lie. Like I feel like it's gonna be a crappy podcast. Okay, so there it. there are pictures. Okay, we're spoiling. Okay, if you so, if you if you need to tune out because you really desperately want to see Triangle of Sadness, uh, we're just gonna spoil the whole thing in order to talk about it. Because, and there's, I want to talk about that gender role thing that I talked to you about earlier. Right. So like, it's, we're just going to, if you really want to watch it, tune out now. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next episode. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's that. So go ahead, Matt. What's in the walls? The walls have pictures of ships in peril at sea, mm -hmm. which is a really weird thing. It would be like having an airplane with pictures of airplane planes crashes. blowing up into the side of a mountain. Which Matt, I want to mention here, props to Matt. He noticed right away. Yeah. He was like, look at the art, look at the art, Christine. It's, it's, it's. It's it's boats in swells. Like okay. Yeah. So this, that just in, initiates the the rising tension, mm -hmm. which I think uh, continues throughout the second act. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. Sure. back sorry for that quick cutoff we uh, we only for those of you here's some behind the scenes matt and chris podcast trivia i bet you're all wondering uh, why are they taking breaks why do they take breaks are they hoping for a big company mcdonald's to sponsor them this is ballot boxing brought to you by da -da 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 -da. no that's not what happens what happens is the crappy software we're using only records for 10 minutes at a time so we have to string together several 10 minute sections so you will never have to listen to more than 10 minutes of us without a break yeah we never just like for honesty's sake though we don't like go regroup and think about what we're going to say no, we just we just we press, just press, press play again yeah so anyway so continue with the earlier with what we were saying earlier okay so the second act i think is really good because there's this creating tension we start with the photos on the walls or the paintings on the walls which indicate that ships can become imperiled and maybe that's something that we need to keep in the back of our minds there's an interesting sequence where one of the attendants is sort of accosted by one of the guests who's this like fairly mm -hmm. grotesque russian woman who's guzzling champagne in the jacuzzi and beckons her to join her insists insists and actually like creates a scenario where this poor thing can't win can't win mm -mm. she can't say no but she can't go swimming with it with a guest. If, if she says yes she's going to get in trouble if she says no she's going to get in trouble so ultimately the decision is made that everybody all the wait staff everybody on board including the unseen people below decks um who are preparing the food and servicing the engines and making sure the ship is maintained properly cleaning the rooms cleaning the rooms they all have to now take a swim and it is because of this indulgence of this woman 
that the entire day falls off track. So you end up with um, the captain's dinner is going to be delayed later into the evening. Um, and the food preparation is delayed, which may cause the seafood to spoil. Um, and I think that's all like pretty effective, mm -hmm. right? And subtly raising the tension mm -hmm. all the way through. The scene with the attendant, what's her name? I want to say Alicia. But that's Alicia wrong. was her Who name. Was that? Alicia is talking to this uh, Russian billionaire who likes to say he sells shit. That's what he's, everyone's like, what? And he's like, oh, I sell manure. Like fertilizer. Fertilizer yeah. for a living. Um, she, it's such a good scene. It's it's like the, probably one of the best acted scenes. Yes. Top three in the movie anyways. Uh, because it's, you feel, you really feel the tension between her and this uh, employee that's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's such a ridiculous request. And it's so clearly fueled by her inflated sense of self and alcohol that it's it's just it, and you do see even prior to the turn happening movie term that i that i learned thank you joe <laughs> shout out to joe uh the before the turn happening you know that it's coming yeah yeah so now the so seafood has spoiled there is a storm coming the captain's dinner has been delayed half an hour at 8 30 instead of eight o'clock yeah and we have met the captain who is played by woody harrelson who's great yeah who is a a, a an alcoholic and who's been brooding in his chambers mm -hmm. and delegating his buns off and not particularly interested in being the captain of the ship. Mm -hmm. And so we go to the captain's dinner. That's the centerpiece of the whole film. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about a 20 minute sequence that's really gripping. And horrific. And horrific. Yeah. And it almost is a horror movie at that point. Yes. Um, and so in, in the captain's dinner, um, <laughs> the ship is already swaying. The weather is, is beating this. You can hear the waves crashing into the side of the boat. Um, the camera's on lean, everybody's sort of tilting mm -hmm. into the, the swells. Um, people sit down to eat. The food is frankly kind of gross. There's mm -hmm. a lot of gelatinous things and seafood and um, things that look like ulcers and, and so on. It was really gross. Mm -hmm. um, Can and, I mention one thing about the yeah, tilting please. and all that? That scene, the whole scene, Matt will explain where it goes in a minute. It was like extra. I couldn't watch it for parts of it. I had to escape to my phone and look at the trivia on IMDb because as someone who has both had seasickness due to being slightly hungover on a cruise and someone who's recently had Norwalk and been in the same situation as these poor people, I, it was just too close to home. So yeah. it was, it was really well acted because I was like, Oh no, yeah. that happened to me once. So people just, it's, it's, I remember I've thought of stand by me and the bar for Rama mm -hmm. and stand by me. This is more, less cartoonish mm -hmm. i think than than stand by me was because it was a child telling the story and in this case i think it's they're trying for realism mm -hmm. um so people begin getting sick and um there was a couple of things that struck me in that scene one was that uh you know the, the, the chaos that's beginning to unfold the staff continues dutifully to just say it's okay it's okay to everybody mm -hmm. um and each table of billionaires are seemingly indifferent to the suffering of the people around them. Mm -hmm. The people are vomiting. The vomit is actually splashing at one point onto another person. And rather than anybody lifting a finger to help, they just continue to be waited on amidst all this chaos and continue to try to eat. And then when they get sick, they sort of stumble around and throw up wherever they feel like it. Mm -hmm. And it's really horrible. And uh, all the while, Woody Harrelson is sitting there sort of watching it all go down sort of bemusedly. Mm -hmm. Um, because he's, I think he's sort of happy that the whole thing is crumbling because he views his guests with contempt. Yeah. He, he, more than that, I think he abhors them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting and I thought that was really effective. And, 
you know, there was a couple of other things in the um, in the second act that I really thought were kind of funny. Mm -hmm. One was the introduction of the old British couple, Clementine and Winston, which uh, if you read the trivia, the name of Winston Churchill and his wife was Clementine. Yes. And uh, the reveal on ultimately what it was that they did to accumulate their wealth. Mm -hmm. Which they try to uh, sort of dance around conversationally. Oh, we've helped democracy to flourish. Oh, how is that? Well, we we are... make precision engineered items yes. for specific use. Well, yeah. What are those items? Oh. And it turns out that they're, they're landmines and they're hand arm grenades. Deal- they're arms dealers. Yeah. Um, so they're like monstrous, yeah. absolutely monstrous. Um, and... and they pick very sweet looking yes. British people to play these roles. It really yeah. works. Yeah. The juxtaposition is obvious like and then, the rest of the movie, but it works. Yeah. And the, the ultimate, uh, the, the closing moments of the second act bring Winston and Clementine back into the first. I'm going to save that surprise. I don't, okay. I don't want that to be something, but, sure. but their, their final moments are like horrifying and hilarious and, and hilarious and fitting. Yeah. Um, and the other part you thought was funny was, yeah, the, there's a, there's a crew member um, who insists that the sails on this yacht are dirty and that they need to be cleaned. And she keeps making precisely the same complaint worded in exactly the same way, just keeps griping to the next level up and the next level up. Um, and she thinks, I think that she's very important Mm -hmm. and that, um, this is a very important thing that she's mentioning Mm -hmm. and, uh, she won't be denied even when she's told that the ship is motorized. It doesn't have sails. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, regardless, I want the sails washed. And Woody Harrelson is the captain sort of smiles at her and says, oh, okay, well, we'll get right on that. And then she's, then she's satisfied. placated. She's just like, I think she thinks she's exercising her power by complaining mm-hmm. um, and making people do things, mm-hmm. right? And I think she feels like maybe it's her way of making herself feel like part of this this group of guests, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's so powerful. How can I express my power? I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll make them run this stupidly bizarre errand mm-hmm. that nobody actually needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that Woody Harrelson, who's really only in the second act of the film, mm-hmm. um, was really good. I thought he was really funny mm-hmm. um, and... I think, you know, he's supposed to be, and I've, I've written some things down. I'm not reading it exactly, but I think he's, he gets into this rhetorical argument with the, the Russian billionaire whose career has been made by uh, selling manure um, over capitalism versus socialism. And they start spouting these rhetorical quest, uh, quotations back and forth. Well, Ronald Reagan said this about capitalism or about socialism. Well, Karl Marx said this. Oh, well. Uh, Margaret Thatcher said this. Well, Vladimir Lenin said that. And they're just spewing this this Quotes. rhetoric back and forth mm-hmm. at each other and getting drunk and the whole thing is falling apart. Um, and I think it's interesting that I, I think maybe this the second act is, while it's simultaneously a criticism of capitalism, and, and I think it views the guests as being disgusting pigs, mm-hmm. the fact that Woody Harrelson is a socialist um, is interesting too, because he fails as a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, he is... He Which is, he admits. Yeah, he's... Yeah, but like that he he's so focused on the rhetoric mm-hmm. um that he fails to act yes. in a meaningful way which i think is a political criticism in and of itself i think austin might be doing both simultaneously criticizing both socialism and capitalism i think he's going at capitalism a lot harder mm-hmm. but i think there's a subtle criticism of socialism too let's take a quick break and come back with your criticisms matt okie dokie okay Hello. Okay. So Matt, you have some criticisms as well. Matt, while we were on break there, folks, Matt just said, 
I, I feel like I'm he's doing all the talking. And I said, this is a smart person movie, which is not like I'm not being derisive to myself. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Uh, I'm just saying that like I, that, you know, this is a, this is a movie for people who understand uh, like metaphor movies and different forms of governmental control and uh, economic system. Yeah. Like it's just not. I'm, I'm not you're not watching it. on that level i'm not i'm not i'm watching it like is this is this entertaining it's same as banshees i know from reading that banshees is a a metaphor for civil war i'm just like oh my god like this is it might be a bit of a slog for me because i'm not maybe going into it all knowing that already it'll help but uh, i did not go into this like i said with any forethought well, there, about it yeah there's a narrative arc here that you don't need to you don't really need to know anything about politics or if economics you don't know what it's really about though it'd be a even weirder yeah yeah okay, okay. so that's so criticism my criticisms and, and this is a universal criticism um i've never really ever seen people vomiting on screen and thought to myself well that really that worked. was necessary yeah that really worked or that was like boy they really did that well <laughs> um and similarly with with uh diarrhea which mm -hmm. um a couple of times there's, there's a comedy it's escaping me right now where somebody there's a girl that's sick and she's sitting on the edge of a bathtub i think it's super bad mm. she's got a really upset stomach and then she sneezes and poops all mm. over the the shower or something like that i just it's not funny mm -mm. and it's really gross and uh i think ultimately the visuals look less effective than the audio mm. like when you hear people being sick it's more upsetting if that's the the goal to actually see somebody vomit, it's always just like, oh, look how much fluid that actor could store in their mouth throat. or throat <laughs> before that, you know, or look at the effectiveness of the CGI. Like they really got the color right. Mm -hmm. I, just, bleh, it, I, I know that I'm being puritanical, prissy mm -hmm. about this, but it's not my thing. Okay. I also thought that uh, Carl and Yaya um, are, were not likable. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the point. Though. Yeah. Well, but in the end, I think Yaya is supposed to be a sympathetic figure. Really? Maybe. She's, no, she's not unsympathetic. Mm -mm. No, not based on her last line. No. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's true. Um, they're supposed to, I think, be representative of gender dynamics and, and um, I think human be, selfishness. I think they're supposed to be that, like, not millennial. What's the next one? Post Generation Gen Z, Z, yeah. Gen Z or whatever. I think that they're supposed to be representative of, like, the Instagram people. Yeah. Right? Um, and then... And I think you'll speak to this a little bit because you you noticed something that I actually didn't notice. I shouldn't say actually. That's condescending. That it's something I didn't notice. Accurate. Um, which is that... Look what I, thought, I live with, people. I thought the third act... So the third act, mm -hmm. since we're spoiling, um, involves uh, the boat being shipwrecked or destroyed, mm -hmm. essentially, by a pirate attack, mm -hmm. which takes place right at the end of the second act. Mm -hmm. And we, were, we spend just the last 40 minutes with a few survivors yes. who... Um, represent they're mostly the crew mm -hmm. um there's one attendant the, they're not the mostly the crew sorry mostly the guests yeah four guests there's one member of the crew and then there's one member of the support staff abigail who has and our and our engine guy oh that's correct yeah so who may or may not be a pirate who may or may not be a pirate yeah, yeah. we're not sure we doesn't, and that doesn't really matter his, his identity is because the guests never saw him mm -hmm. Um, and he even is, even the crew, yeah, even they, our cruise director who survives yeah. is not doesn't is like well there are people underneath the boat that like it's a big crew I don't see everybody like even even people who work on the boat don't know right. who's working who's working the boat right and okay we get it the boat is symbolic of yes. the social structure and economic structure of the world mm -hmm. you get the ultra elite at the top who everybody is working to mm -hmm. support 
you got the middle class who are obsessed with the ultra rich and want to be accessing their money and, and then you've got the majority who and, are racialized yeah, and, and, the, and the, desperately poor our, and who don't give a shit and who are being um like trodden upon by everybody and the middle class is all white and the middle class was all white mm -hmm. yes um so i thought the third act like just really lacked subtlety mm -hmm. um it, you know i wrote is it an economic parable that capitalism is bad or is it trying to tell us that our human nature is inclined towards greed and so therefore capitalism will emerge regardless mm -hmm. um because what happens is the lifeboat uh contains abigail who had been working below decks as a toilet cleaner mm -hmm. i think she was in charge of the toilet cleaning mm -hmm. on the boat and uh she's the only one with any skills mm -hmm. um meager though they are to fish and build a fire mm -hmm. because everybody else is so hopeless she becomes their protector and the matriarch of this little society mm -hmm. um as they sort of languish on this island and then she begins to manipulate people with prizes and rewards and sex to get what she wants or take what she wants mm -hmm. um and she and carl form a, a sort of well, it's not a relationship they're not they don't symbiotic like symbiotic relationship yeah. she gets both... sex from him and he gets food to distribute to other people mm -hmm. um and uh you you had some thoughts on that well just that in act one when they have the argument over the check that that Matt mentioned earlier, um, they, the, Carl claims that he just wants her to pay for dinner sometimes because he doesn't want them to be tied to the old gender dynamics and gender roles. And isn't it better that we're equals and blah, blah, blah. And he just kind of comes off seeming cheap. But I thought maybe that's my archaic view of relationships. Maybe that's a, more of a comment on me. And then at the end, uh, when Carl is somewhat forced into this sexual relationship with uh, our new matriarch, Abigail, former toilet cleaner. Um, I thought, well, that's a really obvious mirror to the beginning. Like you wanted to see flipped gender dynamics. How are you liking having sex, sex for pretzel sticks? Yeah. Like that's, that's what I thought that that was really obvious. There's also a conversation at the beginning of the second act between him and Yaya, where Yaya says hello to a staff member who I guess she thinks is handsome and they have like a little jealous spat about it and then yeah again at the end yaya is like it's not a big at the beginning it's not a big deal like yeah he's hot but i just said hi and then at the end when carl is being somewhat forced to sleep with abigail um you know she's got a real problem with it mm -hmm. and it's like well like this is this is what jealousy looks like from the other side so i thought that both of those mirror images were were pretty obvious and 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 pretty they were on the nose, but also like appropriate like that. I thought, Oh, it made me feel like Carl and Yaya were getting a little bit of comeuppance anyways, yeah. although they're too stupid to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So make the case. This is a best picture. How can you do it? I think that it's very creative and it's while on the nose, perhaps this director thinks that on the nose is the only way people are going to get the message that if it's too subtle, people are going to miss what he's trying to say. I also think that some of the acting is really good. Some of the special effects is, uh, effects are really good. And that you always kind of, this is, this is, you know, me being snooty about the Academy, but the Academy is always going to want to have one foreign, I know this year they've got more than one, but at least one foreign picture that when you watch it, you go, this is really weird in their, in the running for, for the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I can make an argument. I can, I can certainly make an argument for it being nominated. I think it deserves to be nominated. I don't know that it deserves to win or it, and I don't think it will. No. 
go ahead what's your th- take on that um yeah i think like a movie with a message uh with some sort of a political idea um can can be can be attractive to the academy um but i don't think that this is subtle enough mm-hmm. um and I, I think that the other case you can make is that it, it never ceased to make us feel things, mm-hmm. right? I thought um, that. We felt um, sort of revulsion at Carl and Yaya and their vapid uh, argument. Mm-hmm. We felt grossed out and horrified by the behavior on the boat. And then we were frustrated and interested, frankly, in the, in the island dynamic. Um, so I think that's how you could make the case. I'd say that this is probably at the top, the bottom five. Um, like this is like my sixth, if I'm if I'm restructuring my list, mm. I don't think it's in my top five. I don't think it's a serious contender for best picture, but I also think it's much better than Avatar or Elvis um, or The Fablemans. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our final thoughts on Triangle of Sadness. And we're back. I should I should have a different. A different segue there. I should I should think of multiple segues for when we come back. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back, friends. Oh, I I can't do friends. I oh, can't. You call friends. everybody can't, friends. I I called somebody friend on an when I called the orthodontist the other day for one of our kids. I left a message where I went, okay, hoping to hear from you, friends. Bye for now. And then I hung up and went. I just called that receptionist friends. Oh my god, she's gonna know what I do for a living. Uh, okay, so I agree with you. I think it makes my top five, but like barely cracks it. Like it's probably probably number five and it might drop depending on how banshees and tar goes which i think tar might be our next one because we bought it uh matt very into physical media and uh as far as i just want to get back to the it getting um like if, if it could win make the case uh i would love to know i know that there's so many people in the academy who work like uh what's it called above the above the line, below the line, there's some people that work below the line that are also voting members of the Academy. I'd love to know out of all the members of the Academy, what the average income is for these people. Because in my head, I think it's all rich people. And I think that's wrong. But if it is sort of swaying, like leaning towards more wealthy people, I don't think they're going to vote for a movie that on some levels like discourages the, the the accumulation of wealth the accumulation of wealth which they, they embody right so yeah. i just i think it might hit too close to home for some of our some of our academy friends that's very that's mm-hmm. an interesting point yeah i think you know having a look at the list i've got elvis low i've got avatar low um i've got the fablemans low i've got all quiet on the western front sort of near the bottom i i think i liked all quiet on the western front more than i liked triangle of sadness um and then near the top still women talking uh, top gun everything everywhere um i think you're gonna find i don't know where you're gonna find banshees i and and tar i i'm pretty confident it's going to end up in our top five um and uh i'm I'm looking forward to seeing that one quite a bit i can't i can't uh put all quiet on the western front really even on my list because i didn't finish it so i think that one's always going to be my bottom so if you want to fight about that want to fight about something that we can fight about that uh, and we just noticed the best director that Ruben Osland is is uh, nominated for Triangle of Sadness for best director. So can you see a world where I'm just looking at the um, nobody else was eh? no. OK, so so no, no acting. That's interesting. So no acting awards for this movie. But there may be below the line nominations that we're not oh, looking at. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't we have don't it have here. We don't, have a, we don't have it on our on our okay. doc. Hang matter. on, hang on, hang on. So so it's no acting nominees. But uh, nominee for best director and best picture. Do you see a world where 
Triangle of Sadness wins for Best Director and then doesn't win Best Picture? Because I say yes. Oh. Spielberg's not going to win for Fable. I think, well, I mean, in terms of mathematical percentages, it's more likely that one out of the five director nominees wins versus one out of the ten film nominees. I think it's more likely that Ostlund wins for Best Director and the film doesn't win Best Picture. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But I don't think that Ostlund is actually a legitimate contender. And having seen Women Talking and the masterwork that Sarah Pauly put in, mm. let's just give her another shout out and say, like, I'd like to make that swap right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and, well, this won't make people happy, but I, I would replace Steven Spielberg with Sarah Pauly as well. Like, yeah. There, there are two nominees on this list who are, like, really yeah. chafing us at this point. Yeah, let's get back to episode one, where Christina was absolutely stunned and devastated that Sarah Polly wasn't nominated for Best Director. Not having not seen the movie, and now that we've seen the movie. Yeah, like, so just cemented that opinion. Yeah. Yeah, she got robbed. Okay, so, next up, uh, well, we've only got two left. I think it's Tar. Okay. But I, I won't... I, I've, I've been meaning to do this. Is there a way that uh, our listeners might be able to reach out to us? And say, and like, give us feedback or let us know what they think. Thanks for bringing that on me, Matt. Let me just make up a Gmail address on the spot. Well, is there like a, a, a handle they can follow, like on no, Instagram? Or... No, I have no social media ready. Okay. Uh, no, sorry. None of that's ready. But uh, maybe next time, maybe next, here's what we'll do. Next time we come back, Matt, I will come back with an email address. So if there's anybody listening anywhere across our beautiful country or anywhere else in the world, you can reach out to us with any questions or comments you may have. In the meantime, since this is 99% our friends, you can just Facebook me and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, And it's Charlie's dad, Matt on uh, Letterboxd. Letterboxd, If you're, if you're out there and you're still listening at this late stage Mm -hmm. um, and you wanted to, and that's in the show notes. Yeah. You can click on like, I can, I've got your link in the wonderful. Yes. That's on all the episodes. If you're looking to follow Matt on Letterboxd, that's there. Okay. Thanks. I'm not going to say friends. I almost said friends. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.